Today's program was brought to you by Roth Cheese, a pioneer in the U.S. specialty cheese movement. For more information, visit RothCheese.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Good evening and welcome to Foment About It on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm Mary Izette. And I'm Chris Kuzmi. And we're your co-hosts through this weekly journey of all things fermented. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on a second. We're, we're, we're taking over the show today. That's right. <laughs> what? Good evening and welcome to Foment About It on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Heather McReynolds. And I'm Rachel Jacobs. And we're taking over the mics and uh, pointing them at Chris and Mary today. Because <laughs> whoa, those guys are the bomb. It sounds like because it sounds <laughs> like you guys have down. been a little busy. I know we haven't heard your voices on the podcast in a while. So yeah, uh, what's going on? That is true. <laughs> you have our sincere, sincere apologies for for leaving without even saying goodbye. Yeah, what briefly. Have, why why has there been a, a lapse in programming, guys? We got completely overwhelmed with things uh, that are the new chapter of life, being Fifth Hammer Brewing Company. Which is what we're going to talk about today. That's right. We're turning the mics around onto Chris and Mary to talk about uh, something you guys might have been curious about, Fifth Hammer and what's going on. Uh, So you guys know me. I'm Rachel Jacobs. I am the uh, usual third co-host who's around, but uh, who is Heather McReynolds? Yeah. So I've been on your show once or twice. Uh, I think I've known you guys, oh, I don't know, 50, 60 years now, something yeah. like that. Decades. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah I, I moved to New York, and Chris and Mary were two of the first people I met, and I've happily been here for six years now, and yeah. I, I'm I'm happy to call them friends, and I'm super super proud of what they're doing, and I'm stoked to talk about it today. Oh, <laughs> nice! I didn't know we had this many sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> no, lots happened since we've been gone. Oh, but we got oh it. We've only been gone six months, really. But you have Can a couple I do announcements first. All right, go. I'll allow we'll, it. We'll do some standard programming. Okay. Now that we're back, you insist. Um, so I actually only have one announcement, I have and. A big one. A question. So my announcement is, if you are in the New York City area and you want to drink some awesome, kick-ass New York City brew beers, then you should come to Blocktoberfest on October 6th at the Well in Brooklyn. Word. It's from 1 to 5 p.m., and you can check it all out and buy tickets on nycbrew.com. I think that that is really just pre-gaming and training for the New York City Home Brewers Guild's 30th anniversary <laughs> on October 14th. And uh, we're going to celebrate all things homebrew and pro-brew. We're celebrating the pros and joes affiliated with the New York City Home Brewers Guild, which uh, has a very special place in Mary and my heart because that's where we met. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've, we've uh, learned a lot about brewing uh, through our constituents there and seen the homebrew scene grow quite a bit in New York City. And this 
is our 30th anniversary. Five years ago, we did our 25th anniversary for the New York City Homebrewers Guild. And we basically invited all the homebrew clubs from Amazing. around New York City. And uh, it was awesome to have, have so many homebrew clubs under one roof. And that kind of was the birth of Brunity, which is the kind of umbrella kind of organization we're not really that organized. We just sometimes throw a festival and call it Brunity. <laughs> hey, cheers to Brunity. <laughs> anyway, we're going to try and rah-rah uh, uh, again on that day. Uh, but I would be remiss to not also mention the other homebrew event that's happening three weeks prior. All of these events are happening at the same place, at the well. In Which Brooklyn. is one of the coolest beer festival what? venues, if not the coolest beer festival no venue. Doubt, Mary, it's no also doubt. just good for regular, yes. regular beer drinking. It's solid for that, too. It can't be it a is. place with leather couches. It's pretty cool. <laughs> it has a lot of giant so space outdoors. It's what's really happening at the well? At the well, so... Uh, Ruminaries. Ruminaries are throwing a, a, a yeah. local event. I forget what it's called officially. I think it's called Brewing Local or Local. If you go to Bruminaries.com, you can find that. If you go to New York City Homebrewersguild.com, you can find... Uh, or nychomebrew.com, you can find the information for the 30th anniversary party. Um, but the Bruminaries basically are, all their homebrewers are, are brewing with a large, significant portion of New York City, or New York State ingredients, um, and celebrating New York State uh, with this festival. Very cool. And when is this festival? Yes. That's September, <laughs> September 29th. It's before. Because okay, yeah, okay, it's the right. same day as Fifth Hammer's one year anniversary. Speaking of Fifth Hammer, <laughs> yeah. you're one year old. It's been a year. It's been a year. Yes, it has. Not quite, yet, not quite yet. Not quite yet. But we're getting there. You guys are so cute. <laughs> hey, let's, we let's, got face for radio. Let's back it up a little Faces. bit. So let's back it up a little bit. You're one years old, mm-hmm. even before then. I'm on a pony. Before then. I, I'm drinking a pony. Ah, yeah, I'm oh. drinking a half acre pony. I got a pony. It's delicious. For, yes. So um, people who regularly tune into the show know a little bit, bit about Fifth Hammer, how you guys started last year, and a little bit about your uh, woes of going through the thing. But last one we left off... Uh, Mary, I believe you announced that you had left your job to start full-time at Fifth Hammer. (laughs) And Fifth Hammer has all sorts of fun weekly events going on. uh, Thanks to her new bandwidth to organize. Yeah, so what's the status of Fifth Hammer now? What's going on? Oh, gosh, where do we start? So, go ahead. Uh, well, okay, so uh, you know, it's always it's a slow start. We started very cautiously. Didn't want to, to. We don't want to be a regional brewery. Our focus is is to be a local hub for community and and celebrating uh, the art of Zimmergy without trying to take. We're not trying to take over the world. We just want to have fun and have the ability to express ourselves through and make delicious beer through libation, right? Uh, and I, I know. I'm looking at you, Heather, because mm-hmm. uh, Steve Parks hates. Steve Parks is our old teacher. You went to the American Brewers Guild, and he hates when people call beverages libations. So <laughs> this one's for you, Steve. hipsters over here. It almost sounds like you're about to answer my first question. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and we. This, okay. Oh. Well, let's set it up. So, so, so we, we don't, don't want don't, don't to get too big too fast. We want to do everything right and slow and, and uh, take the natural growth. Uh, that, that, that is just coming to us. And so at this current time, we have four fermenters, two 30-barrel fermenters, two 15-barrel fermenters, one 30-barrel bright tank, and one 5-barrel bright tank. And we did just place an order for two more 30-barrel uh, fermenters. By, by the way, uh, one barrel is roughly two kegs of beer. So Correct. we're talking about a lot of, of liquid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I got so we're a 15-barrel brewing system. Mm-hmm. That's where we started. That's where we're still at. Um, and we have 5,000 square feet total in Long Island City, which is a neighborhood in New York. It's the, it's one stop from Manhattan on the EM or 7 trains, are the, our nearest trains. Um, so it's really close to Manhattan. We have a great view of the New York, of the Manhattan skyline. Um, 
And we have a 2,000 square foot tasting room that's open seven days a week. And I want to shout this out because I, because when I, when I start, hey, when we start doing this show, it who's, was who's running this show? Oh, here? Well, sorry, 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 sorry. We're talking about fermentation space and stuff. And like, go ahead. Go so ahead. at Five Away Gastrobrew, when we started this show in 2012, I had just been hired at Five Away Gastrobrew, and I was brewing into these like little one and a half barrel uh, fermenters. And today, I spent my day kind of cleaning them, assessing them, and for our one year anniversary, we're going to ferment into them. So I've oh got my some. God. They're not jacketed, so so they're you know we're we're going to use these Nor- Norwegian yeast strains, uh, the Hot Head, the Voss, and the Horn Horlander. Horlander. Um, I think it's Hornlick. Exactly, yeah. that one. We'll look at how to, how to spell that and put <laughs> it on Omega, yeah. <laughs> Omega yeast has these, has these uh, Norwegian strains that can ferment at very high temperatures. I've never used them. I have tasted stuff that goes with them that can end up not, or they, they're non-phenolic brewing so, so high and so fast. And I'm excited to do these. And so through the month of October, we're going to have some celebratory uh, kind of throwback system beers, but new, new world mm-hmm kind of fun yeah for anybody who stuff. might not think about it like it's it's very rare that you would brew at one place and then acquire your old equipment back <laughs> yeah. at another place like usually when you leave it a place you it's 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 they belong to you they yeah. are yours I, yeah. they found their home i struggled to get rid of them i really want i mean I, like i really <laughs> wanted to get rid of them but nobody would take them because they're these plastic fermenters and like nobody wants plastic and they're non-jacketed and like everybody's nervous about it. even myself going straight into it you can yeah. hear the early episodes. I was mm-hmm. scared of the plastic. Yeah. Um, but oh, some yeah. really great things happened with it. So uh, and, and anyway. Great, I, great things will continue to happen. Yes. Right. Especially with those magic omega yeasts. Yes. Yep. Very see. cool. So that's where you guys are now. But um, let's let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go a back. year. Exactly. In the way back machine. Let's go back a year. Even 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 more. Oh, yes. Even, even more. more even more. Let's go back far in Wayne, here. Wayne's um, World shout out. <laughs> so... And and this might be a little bit of a hard question, but you kind of you kind of got to a couple points of it. But I think there's something like six thousand. There's over six thousand breweries no, in the U.S. Yeah. right now, mm-hmm. a bajillion. And there's many in New York That's City alone. There's a what's 30, why forty? Why open a brewery? Sorry. Why open a brewery? What do you? What do you? This was not my dream originally. What do you have to say about beer that is not being said, or before you open the brewery wasn't being said by anybody else? Right. So, you know, for a lot of people, that's that's an impetus, right? You know, I want to make stuff that nobody's made before and all that stuff. And uh, I, you know, Mary said this wasn't her dream necessarily to be a brewer and nor was it mine. I, you know, I'm an accidental brewer. Uh, I'm a saxophone player and, you know, we talk about that on the show, whatever. And and, uh, when I first started homebrewing, the parallel of of making music and getting something from from concept to melody and getting something from concept to glass, uh, that, that was really heavy to me. And that, that certain, same sort of creationism and, and creativity execution uh, was really hip. Um, but I still didn't necessarily think I wanted to be a pro brewer, uh, mm-hmm. especially when I found out how much work it was. I mean, this is glorified <laughs> janitorial work. Like, I, don't, you know, I didn't necessarily want to do that. And I wanted to sp- stay, spend like... The job was just to make money so that I could play the gigs that I wanted to play because it's all about <laughs> expression. It's all about you know intent there. Uh, and then in 2012, just as we started this show, um, you know somebody out of the blue was like, "Hey, do you want to work? Do you want to brew here at, at Five Oak Astrobury?" And I wasn't making a whole lot of money else, and I was like, "Okay, I'd, I'd like to do that, or I'll throw my hat in the ring for for that." And it ended up being serendipitous, uh, leading to then me being able to get, have complete freedom. Like, yeah. I wasn't just working at a brewery. Like, I was able to, like, be behind the creation of, of the beers itself. And and I found even more of a parallel of, of being a pro brewer with the music 
and making money with it uh, and really enjoying and getting into into the liquid. That's when I found at 508 Gastrobrewery, that's where I discovered it as a vocation where I'm no longer just a saxophone player. I am a saxophonist and a brewer, and I need to be doing both in order for me to feel complete. You had to add the slash in there. Yeah. Sax brewer. brewer. I said, Sax-a-brewer. my card says saxophone. Or just put them no. all together. Yeah. So that's, that's also that, that's a great thought, too. So, what was it like at 508 when the very first beer that you made mm-hmm. was on tap and being sold to somebody? What's, what, describe that feeling. How, what does that feel like? That, that feels awesome. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> well, if, if you're real, I don't know. It's a same thing with when you when you make an album. Like I can never listen to my own music that much. Like I'm I'm constantly like thinking about it. I can't get away from it because I was in there for the process and blah, 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 I can't. It's hard to really taste it objectively or hear it objectively. And the same thing's happening to me even at five at Fifth Hammer, where like you know the first few days or the first week <laughs> or three weeks that the beer is on, like I'm constantly thinking about. It. I can't like just chill and listen and just listen to the beer. <laughs> Gotcha. <laughs> um, but it was amazing there for sure. Uh, uh, but at the same time, what, at I was thrown into the mix. It was a place that was already open. It wasn't like uh, I had to. I had to. You know, we, we made the beers and then opened. Mm-hmm. That we were dealing with the beers that they had left. I was a nervous nilly dealing with. Um, you know, when are we going to run out of beer? Because mm-hmm. a lot of stuff had been can, had been thrown away from from Sandy, mm. uh, the storm, and. Uh, you can't stop thinking. Like people are drinking you out of beer, especially if you're not making it any very fast. Like you can't stop to think about or to enjoy the moment. Sometimes <laughs> you just got to keep brewing. A little sad, a little sad, but yeah, five hundred eight was a good place. R.I.P. And but it was being able to brew two hundred beers on that system that and and being able to go so many different directions that that yeah. made me really for, decide. For, but going back to your official question, yeah. which made me decide that I really needed to do this when that when that chapter mm-hmm. ended, I had to continue this somehow, some way, and. Uh, which brings us to our friend Dave Sharfstein. Yeah, I love that guy. The the guy who could not make it here today. Uh, how did that come about? How did you meet him? What's the deal there? Uh, for Why? listeners who are confused, it's the co-founder of Fifth Hammer. Yes, yes. co-founder, co-owner. Why? Why do you want to work with Dave Sharfstein? How'd that happen? So how did it happen? How did I meet Dave Sharfstein? Dave Sharfstein is a recovering lawyer. Uh, <laughs> uh, in he never late, fully recovered. La- <laughs> well, that may be true a little bit. <laughs> uh, in late 2014, uh, he decided that he was just miserable being a lawyer, and he told his wife this, and she was like, well, why don't you just quit? And so before she was able to change her mind, he quit. <laughs> and, uh, and he was really in love with uh, craft beer, and he saw the trends uh, in, in the city that the, he had some money saved up and wanted to buy a beer bar and turn or like wanted to buy a bar and turn it over into craft he's beer bar. Go that way. Pretty it's smart at thing. business too. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's not a a one trick pony kind of guy. Absolutely, yes. no. He's a very complicated gentleman <laughs> that we appreciate fully. Uh, and uh, so he was looking basically for a turnkey lease in New York City uh, to, to to run a bar or to like open a bar and have a have the right person manage it because he knew. He, He's very smart in that he knows what, as much as he knows that he does know, he knows that he doesn't know what he doesn't know, and knew that he would need to find somebody to run this, <laughs> run this bar. <laughs> yes. That was his plan. It wasn't like he's like, oh, I know all things about beer, and I can run a beer bar. He's like going to find the right person to do that. Yes. Um, anyway, uh, he was being taken around New York City uh, with a broker uh, looking at spots, um, and his broker brought him to 508 Gastro Brewery. Our lease was up uh, for that same thing. We were going to not re- renew that lease uh, based on the increased rent. Um, I had already packed up the brew house, sold what I could, except for those plastic fermenters, had to give those away to somebody. <laughs> um, and uh, 
he loved the space. He had a he's like, man, this place is amazing. And what they make their own beer? That's crazy. I'd already left town. I'd gone to gone to China to visit my family. This place is amazing. Um, and then he found out while he was drinking his beer, he, he loved the beer. Um, the bartender slipped that we had already sold the lease, um, and and he stayed anyway. He kind of was mad at his broker a little bit yeah. for bringing him to a place that was already was not exactly on the market. Yeah. Um, and then he had more beer, and he was lamenting this fact two days later to a friend of his, and his friend was like, where's that place? Down in Soho. I know that place. I just I was just there two weeks ago. I took a tour, and uh, you know the, the brewer was really nice, and he gave me his card. I have his card in my pocket. And he was like, you have to give me that card. And it turned out he did have my card in his pocket, and uh, Dave took, took, took my card from his friend. We had never met. Uh, and I'm in Hong Kong talking to my mother, like literally talking to my mother with my computer open, being like, I'm not sure what the next chapter is. You know, this is just like a nice rest. I got to figure out what it is. I've had a couple of job offers uh, in New York City to work under some other people. Um, and this email comes in. Hi, you don't know me. My name is Dave. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, I, I don't know what you're doing in the future, but I'd love to meet and talk about, you know, helping you go. Because I love the beer, love the atmosphere. And I don't know why there aren't more breweries in New York City. And I very skeptically, I was like, hey, hold on, buddy. Let's just just have a beer. Like, <laughs> like those cold calls. I'm like, let's just have a beer and talk it out. Like, you you got to go on a date first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we went on a date and Mary chaperoned us. Yeah, because he said me that email. I was like, dude, I'm going with you because uh, who is this you guy? Meet this guy? Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, that's a, that's a, you know, you're a New Yorker when you have, you're skeptical of anybody. Uh, yeah. I think mm-hmm. we are by nature. Anyway, the cat was, is, is really, really nice, really smart, really just, just, uh, we had it off really really great uh, and uh and uh you know mary mary fully mostly mary approved so i do so, i do remember them <laughs> i tell you just, i do remember that, after your i'm using air quotes date with dave uh mary mentioned to me she's like heather we we met up with this dude and like it was like it was great and like it, it's almost like you were talking about like he could be the one yeah, it's, 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 like it's that's what Mary told me. So we have this of. business marriage, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and we're we're f- totally in love, and you know, in, uh, <laughs> uh, in, in business love, and 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 it's good. Like really, there's a really strong support. Like he excels in areas that I do not, and vice versa. And uh, I think there's a really great balance, you know, and definitely, and uh, and especially with Mary as a moderator now. So yeah. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Yeah, and uh, with that, we're gonna take a short break. And uh, we'll be right back on For Men About It here on Heritage Radio Network. For Men About It. Today's program was brought to you by Roth Cheese, a pioneer in the U.S. specialty cheese movement. Roth is in its 25th year of making specialty cheese in the rolling hills of southern Wisconsin. With strong Swiss heritage, Roth is best known for its award-winning alpine-style cheeses under the name Grand Cru. Fresh Wisconsin milk combined with expertise and affinage is how Roth creates high-quality, great-tasting cheese year after year. In 2016, hard work paid off when out of over 2,000 contenders, Roth Grand Cru Surchois was named world champion at the World Cheese Championship. For more information, visit rothcheese.com. Hi. Hey, we're we're back. back. We've got... Uh, Mary and Chris, you've got Heather and Rachel who are 
womaning the microphones. That's right. Turning them on Mary and Chris. Flippity doodah. Because For we are learning all about the fifth genesis hammer. of Fifth Hammer and where it came from and the little seed that turned into a beautiful flower. And that, wow, I'm getting The really nail that turned dorky. into a hammer. Ah, better one, better one, better one. So cool. We we just talked about uh, meeting Dave, and that was uh, a really great thing for you guys. Uh, obviously, he's a great person to work with. But uh, let's talk more about this process, because like oh yeah. So listeners, yeah. regular listeners of the show may have heard uh, as the brewery was being built in real time, some of the woes and pratfalls and all the fun stuff of dealing with the uh, New York City Department of Buildings. Um, so, but overall, what were some of the toughest challenges that you had in opening the brewery and building the brewery? I'm relatively calm and collected going through <laughs> challenging times. Or like I expected everything to take a long time. A lot of my friends have opened breweries in this challenging city. And so I think the toughest time was calming Dave's nerves. <laughs> uh, it's going like, to cost you know, how much? That is not true. I had to be you, a therapist. You had some heart. You were oh, heartbroken sure. too. Oh, oh yeah. No, losing a couple of leases that I really loved was, was definitely hard. Um, uh, but you know that aside, like when we got the lease that we did, like I, I'm so glad everything failed before that because the places wouldn't have been as successful. Like you know they always talk location, location, location for New York City, and I think that a lot of our success uh, in the last year has been the location and also the the way the place is suitable for a the production kind of production brewery and and taproom community hub that that we want to be. Like mm-hmm. it was just perfect. It was like this, you know, it doesn't. Everything's not this kind of story, you know, and I, I'm very, I don't take that for granted. I really appreciate it. The Department of Buildings and the, the slowness of that, where we allocated money, uh, you know, there are tough choices to do when you have a certain budget, like where to, where to, where to spend it, where to not. Um, and you can, you can't ever predict how fast people are going to get the jobs done and you make the best choices you can. Uh, and they're all frustrating, especially when you think you made the best choice and then things take longer than they are. Whereas if you had just thrown more money at it in the beginning, like either by a better, just a better contractor, better, better architect, better whatever, maybe would have, but maybe but this is all hypothetical. Yeah, like who knows? No sure but you know, if we, if we look back at it and try and, you know, we, we think maybe, okay, well, who knows? I don't, I don't know. I, so we'll do I'm it. trying not I'm to think do about the, that the anymore. Capsule. So it took a year and a half to find the lease. So yes. let's let's clarify it, that a little. So year and a half, what kind of time frame is that? Is that from like... That was from January right, to we're, May. We're going to start a brewery. Yeah, to, so I mean, yeah, just to just to finding a lease in New York just City. Just to find yep. a building. You guys a signed a lease in lease. May, correct? And then we took possess you took possession at the end of August. In May 2016, we signed a lease. We started looking in January of 2015 yep. or late January 2015. You guys, that sounds like a pain in the ass. It was it totally was horrible. <laughs> Even I didn't wasn't I only Mary was at a working couple of these spaces, but job, good god, the yeah. Yep. I remember you guys had a place in Bushwick that you were like looking at and then that fell through. I thought you had it signed. Like what happened there? They had like seven leases in hand and all fell through. Well, we, you know, well, th- I think we definitely slowed when you're first doing this, you know, you get that first uh, lease bid or like, you know, put a bid on that first lease and you stop looking because you think, oh, there's no way we're not going to be accepted for this or like, you know, you're, and you put all your eggs in that one basket and then you learn very, or you put all your eggs in, in one broker. Uh, and, and then, you know, you know, but things aren't 
real until it's signed because uh, mm-hmm. certain someone, landlords are are yes. playing you against other just, people and, yes. and it's or they're just playing they the have game. a ton of violations against them and right. there's no way yeah. you'll be able to do anything with that building until right. that landlord pays off those violations right. which could be god knows when oh. right, right. that's true or they want a personal guarantee they want like your firstborn child <laughs> and their and your firstborn grandchild like yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and that's yeah. Real. new york city that's real estate's crazy i, I <laughs> I just went through that process yeah, for myself look. personally yes. to find an apartment, Same. and it was a nightmare. Yes. Oh my god! Yep. Yeah, they yeah. wanted a signed thing from our like from my employer, and they implied that they were going to call them to make sure yeah, that I really worked there. <laughs> Listen, oh my yep. god! Uh, so anyone out there who doesn't live in New York City yet, just don't don't move here. Don't yeah. please or don't. have just all don't. of your paperwork <laughs> ready. Make sure that you have your social security <laughs> card taken out of the safe deposit box just and find your birth your blood type. Your... Just don't come. We don't no, want no. to. <laughs> don't come. Please don't. Anyway, anyway, come. so visit our tap room. Then, <laughs> so then, except tap. except to go. You, yes, except you to took go possession in August. So so yeah, we signed the lease in May, and we took possession in August. Thankfully, our landlord was super cool, and he at least let us still get access to the place in between May and August. Very cool. And uh, in order to take measurements and do everything and get our architect on the ball uh, to get stuff. However, we still didn't submit things to the Department of Buildings for to get the the plans uh, approved for the build-out that we wanted to do until October or November, which was after uh, you know, the three months of concession that we had were over. So w- then we're waiting Meaning for... Meaning concession, you don't have to pay rent. Right. Oh, so, okay. Uh, and so, you know, usually with a lease, they'll, they'll give you a certain amount of free rent. And this is not... And this is, there's no there's no standard. There's just hopes Mm-mm. and wants and like, you know, a mm-hmm. certain average of kind of uh, usually, but... I'm you assuming know, all this stuff is. is negotiable. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. you know, obviously, you know, the landlord, what's best for them and we want what's best for us. And, uh-huh. and everybody needs to needs to save money or make money and it's and it's, uh, it's tough to negotiate all that stuff. So yeah, and then we finally opened September 29th of 2017. So yeah, let's So let's, that's the time frame. So right, August to September, so a year and two months. Oh my god. Well, well, well hold on, sorry. let's let's go back from like from May. You you and Dave have this year wonderful first month, date. Year and three months really. Decide to do this crazy thing, and that was January of 2015. 2015 and then you open in September, September 29th of 2017. Two and a half years later. Woo! That's yeah. some date. It's a doozy. That's a doozy. Yeah, yeah that, that sounds about right, though. It's, uh, and then, cool. the last year. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> this last year probably, well, I don't know. It's it's crazier than the lead-up, almost. Yeah, uh, you're looking at me for emotional response, but all I can think about is like what I have to put in the fermenter next. So this, <laughs> this, this, this is like that same thing. Where, like I'm in it, and like you know, we, we just keep have to keep moving and keep you know the, the duty is to get that there. And but I love it. Also, that's what it's for. That's great. We, you know, the people are there supporting it, and and I'm so thankful that we're able to continue it and, and keep doing that and explore. Now we're we're in a place where we can really start exploring other more fun. Not more fun. Like it's all it's all been fun, but we can we can get more uh, along the lines of what we are, Mary, as as the kind of crazy foment about it people. <laughs> like stuff. Uh, coming out, soon. Coming outside. soon. Yeah. yeah. And so like these Quebec yeasts and and the and the smaller stuff. I'm really excited to get these little things down, Yay. and I'm excited to get more fermentation capacity. And uh, we just bought some more wood. Uh, to uh, we bought some, uh, well wood. for the next the, what this is news to me too. Sorry, no, I told you, but it's like well maybe I didn't tell you, but. <laughs> <laughs> that not very much, but uh, we just got. We did a collaboration with the Bruminaries, um, and uh, part of this collaboration, we want to hit 
with pineapple and Brettanomyces classeni. Um, pineapple on pineapple, and we're going to put it in some wood to age uh, for a while, and uh, and see when that's when that's ready and stuff. And so we just got bought those. I'm going to pick them up tomorrow. Actually, we're going to take them from KCBC, Kings County Brewers Collective, which is celebra- celebrating their two-year anniversary. That's right. Woo! Woo! Shout out! Shout out to uh, American Brewers Guild. Yeah. 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 ABG. <laughs> I might still be stalking KCBC a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you might remember that from episode. <laughs> In prior episode, and the other one. <laughs> so yeah, you guys Actually, are open now. It yeah. was a very long, arduous process. Lots of money was involved, but now you're open, and it's fantastic, and it's great. So yeah, now that you're, now we're in the present day. Now that we're open, what is one of the challenges that like? You had no idea you ever thought was going to be a challenge, and it is. Running a tasting room. (laughs) In what way? (laughs) Wow. That's so many. Okay, so. I don't think that. That's because Chris doesn't really do that much. That's that's also true. Yeah. I stay in the back. I want to stay in the back. And honestly, like, I never expected to quit my day job. I had a corporate day job of 18 and a half years that I left on June 18th. Buddy, you didn't like your job No, that's true, but I never wanted to quit it to work full-time at the brewery. Like, that was never part of the plan. To be fair, uh, I will say that it was really cool that you were able to support your husband during this whole time because right. obviously the same thing. The only way this brewery exists is because Mary had that job. For yeah. So it's the only way. Yeah. Yeah. Opened. Yeah. Uh, it, it's true. So right. yes, so I, I, if you want to start a brewery as a, yes. Mary, find Mary, a Mary, you Mary, fi- Mary yeah. you find a sugar mama. Exactly. Or re- now retired sugar yes. mama. Um, but yeah, I will say as a friend, it was, it, it was always a little hard for me because you know, I hear you like not being happy with your job and not being fulfilled and, and you're, you're venting to me and you know, that's cool. But on the flip side of it, it's like, but there's so many great things are coming out of this. And so it was really, really cool for me to see like all of those positive things going in a positive direction. And then the culmination of, and now Mary doesn't have to work there anymore. (laughs) And now she can dye her hair. That's right. Her hair is blue. Um, no, I think tasting room because when <laughs> no, we're gonna go Sorry, back to the challenges. Let's yeah. go. Honestly, tasting though, room. Let's go. Because you know we, I think Chris and I knew. I mean, obviously Chris more so than I did because he's worked in multiple breweries over the years. Mm-hmm. So I mean, we're you know running a brewery is is one thing entirely. As far I mean, there are lots of challenges there as far as production times and cleanliness and you know making sure your beers are are good and you don't have infections and your drains are clean and you're getting the right efficiency and you know things are delivered on time there's a gazillion challenges delivered on running time is huge yeah <laughs> running a brewery huge. um but we're basically running a brewery and a bar uh-huh and running a bar is a completely different animal yeah uh-huh. so we are open 7 days a week and we are slammed on the weekends we are no longer a brewery on the weekends half the people that walk in on a saturday have no idea that we're a brewery i mean they they you That's, would think they I'm, do I'm when they, my head. I know, when they walk in the door, but I can't tell you how many times that people have drank our beers on a Saturday for an, an hour or more, and our brewing system and tanks are clearly visible from the tasting room. True. And, you know, come yeah. up and been like, hey, so what happens over there? Like, what? Where so do we keep the horses? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
What sorcery is this? <laughs> yes. That's, that's where, um, that's so, where the, the bad patrons go <laughs> in the tanks. <laughs> they go in the fridge. So, um, yeah, so it's interesting because I don't think any of, I mean, we knew we were going to have a tasting room. We had no idea how successful the tasting room was going to be. Woohoo! And that's exactly the reason why I'm able to quit my job two and a half, half months ago or whatever it's been. Thanks, drinkers. Um, yeah, so, and I think, you know, I, I honestly, the tasting room has been awesome because it is a place, like, we have made so many new friends through there, met so many new people, and people come to our tasting room to celebrate. They come to get away from the world, right? They come to just hang out and get a break from their daily life. They come to celebrate their co-workers going away party or their birthday party or their dog's birthday party or that's a thing whatever a thing. I've been to a kid's birthday party there I think <laughs> yeah I mean they come to celebrate and that's an amazing thing it is an amazing thing you're part of that now yeah. that's that's cool it's super exciting because it's kind of a happy place in people's lives and uh, and I think that that to me is one of the biggest like surprise I don't know things I didn't think about going into this I just want to say this is one of my favorite quotes. It's uh, my my former friend of mine was was working at a, at a bar around here, and they had a they had a, they had a staff meeting, and and they were talking about how you know what what that bar was like, or like what it was people go there to to dream. They're expecting to have a good time. They're they're going there already positive. They're already already excited to be there. And your job as a staff member is to you know don't wake them up from the dream. Yeah. So don't do anything jarring. Make sure that there's no element of your service that is that is like less than that. And I think that we try and have our staff up to that standard where like just you don't want to jolt them out of the dream. You want them to stay in that in that dream state. And the beer has to be on par to meet that expectation and be good and not not be, not have some flavor that's that's off and mm-hmm, out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know our our people have to be nice enough to uh-huh. and and aware. And uh, and also I like the acronym ASK, right? Awareness, speed, and kindness. You know, for our bartenders, you know, just mm-hmm. like always there for it. They're they're a great group of people. Yep. Behind but, the bar. And I think you know the tasting room. We've learned a lot in the last year. I think we're much better at it now. Um, our tasting room is a much better place. Or it's. Oh, and it was. I mean, it's the same place, but we we have more benefits, I guess. It it was always a really great place to go. Not, not. Don't make it sound like it was. No, 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 no. (laughs) Okay, no, I'll say that. It's running a little more smooth now. Behind the scenes, behind the scenes, the behind the scenes is a lot better. Yes, and we have, we have, you know, like we have pop up food vendors every weekend. Yeah, we're we're learning. You know, we've learned kind of what is what we can do to make the customers have a better experience, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, great answer. I, I don't think, nowadays too, I mean, the taproom model is such a great source of revenue for a lot of these people opening mm-hmm. breweries, and I, I think a lot of people opening breweries don't consider that it's it's running a bar. You're really running a yeah. bar. And I yeah. think that's really important for people, to think, for people to think about that right now as the world shrinks and as we grow breweries in America... Like, don't underestimate the, the, the importance of your direct-to-consumer mm-hmm. uh, experience. And, uh, you know, you're It's huge. Gonna, yep. Huge. Yeah. Um, now on to, like, a lighter question, but, you know, I'm a big music person. Obviously, Kuzme is, like, the biggest mer- music person of all. Um, but I'm kind of, of all, of all. Oh no. <laughs> Our sax of brewer. Uh, I'm kind of directing this to both of you guys, though. Um, what, uh... What are your favorite tunes to brew to? Or tune jams. 
What you, fermenter am I going into? Mm, <laughs> you're going into. <laughs> Let me you're, preface that with, okay, I've got four fermenters. No, no, I know. <laughs> you're going into the 15 barrel fermenter. So it's a. Which it's 15 a, barrel fermenter? It's either oh number my three goodness. or four. What? No, they're not three or four. They're Sonny or Paul. Right. Oh my God. Your your favorite one. Pick your favorite fermenter. It'd be Sonny for sure. <laughs> Without a doubt, Sonny when, Rollins. Sonny what do you Rollins, what do you like, love in what do you love in a brew too right you know now? What's what crazy? Kind of like I when Dave would leave for the day or something like that, or, or like at night or something in our in our early stages, I'd throw on some Sonny Rollins and then like the place would be fucking clean in like in like an hour hour and a half. Like everything would be things would be organized. I'd be listening to Sonny Rollins, the nice. bridge, and things would be popping and awesome. Or live at the Village Vanguard, Sonny Rollins cranking. Yeah. Um, but if you really want to get rolling, you know, to go to fermenter number four. I'll give you the numbers, Mary. Uh, Paul, Paul Gonzalez, live at Newport 56. Uh, Duke Ellington, the amazing. It brought swing music back, brought Duke Ellington back, which was during the heyday of bebop. That 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 is such a significant album and importance in the history of music. Not just jazz music, music. Incredible. Some, some jammers Paul Gonzalez plays nice. like plays like the twenty seventh chorus solo, and there was a, apparently this lady in a white dress that just danced crazy on the style. And it's the only time also that that Duke Ellington ever lost his shit in the studio because they because the everybody wanted a live recording of this, and there was a really shitty recording of it um, made, but they wanted to have it worthy of the album, so they made Duke Ellington's band transcribe all the solos and stuff and basically re-recorded over it stuff and they play, had to play it along to the live track that they had Dang. to get it and that which is a really hard thing to do yeah also. yeah yeah uh, but anyway our first fermenter is is uh, named after uh, Charlie Parker so it's bird and so I listen to a lot of Charlie Parker when I roll into that so the other day we did a collaboration with Brooklyn brewery and we went into that into into bird and we played you know we started off the day as we were mashing into Charlie Parker nice and uh our second one is John Coltrane or Train, mm. and uh, mm-hmm. listen, I listen to a lot of Train, especially it's significant this year because there was a re-release of an of an album of a lost album, and apparently his son uh, Ravi Coltrane has a lot of these like lost Coltrane records, and uh, and was just kind of kind of let him let him out as we go, but they're awesome. Like they're like the one that was released this year is just so so amazing. It used to be that we would send all of our beer into our bright tank. And uh, because one of the biggest influences on me has been Dexter Gordon throughout my life, you know, and our bright tank is long, tall. Uh, <laughs> that was his nickname, Long Tall Dexter. Okay. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, our, our bright tank is Dexter Gordon. But now we're turning everything to uni, so everything doesn't go through Dexter anymore. Wow. And a unit tank basically means that we can ferment in it, but it also holds enough pressure that we are able to package cold crash it and yeah. force carbonated and package which is great because you yeah. you don't have as much loss so yeah. you know that's more beer that yeah. can go into you and we mouth. don't have a, a bright tank bottleneck if you only have one bright tank and you need mm-hmm. to keg like three beers in a day you can't do it you so those. i'm considering yeah so when we would make our lagers uh, they would spend a lot of time in our in the fermenter itself and taking that mm. up for like f- solid five weeks so now I'm going to send them over to that bright tank since everything's Dexter. set up as a unit. Yeah. It's a Dexter. Yeah. So all our loggers will see, will see Dexter. There we'll you go. go. Dexter. Be melodious so like Dexter. That was, that was a more fantastic answer than I ever could have imagined, Kuzme. That was great. I knew we would have an answer for that, of course. Um, but I also want to direct this question to Mary, too, because Mary has also, you know, obviously we all know, we all know Mary's... Uh, an awesomely active home brewer and she's been doing her thing for years and years and bajillion years. But the cool thing for you now, Mary, is that you also have this 15 barrel mm-hmm. system to play with and you've been learning. So what have you loved to jam out to when you've been brewing on Man. the 15 barrel system? So I'll be honest, we have a co-brewer. 
uh-huh. Brett Taylor, who yes. is amazing. Oh, he's amazing. So I haven't been brewing as much, and I think I don't know. We're gonna. I'm not soon to change. Yeah, yeah. soon to change. Um, so I haven't had. I haven't been. But, jamming out. But what, I've mostly been all right, welcoming you, other people. But you've been doing stuff at the brewery, and when you yes. have, what are the plays that you put on? Because what you, the other what day you, when you were painting, like you, were, you, you, were, you redid our sign on our track wall. Uh, yeah. that, Alice you, Merton Radio that, that's right. on Spotify. So, so, that's right. There you go. Okay, <laughs> there you go. Well, that's pretty awesome. I like 80s, too, sometimes. 80s in our taste room just works sometimes. 80s like sure. 80s like some like like hair metal kind of or rock? Like no. <laughs> yeah, like could be down with some Human League, Prog too. Man? 80s pop, man. Maybe oh, some yeah, Talking Heads or something. Oh, yeah. That's always, that always too. David Byrne. David Byrne goes with beer so well. Yeah. Yeah. So, Mary, leads me to my next question. We already touched on it. You've been transitioning from a, again, I'm going to use some air quotes, normal person. <laughs> Traditional. <laughs> Traditionally working person. Yeah. Uh, to, to someone who doesn't have that structure uh because you've been working at the brewery now so how how has that been for you i mean you so let's sorry to back it up again uh you had your previous job for 18 years that is a long time so that's like a, a person that's an adult how, person <laughs> yeah that's an adult person that's adulthood yes how has that transition been you've been you've been at the brewery now for two months not working Just over two yeah. yeah so like how's that transition been uh great i mean Good. I love that I don't work that job anymore. I'll Ooh. admit it. And I do love Fifth Hammer. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest challenges are just be. I was like felt really mentally disorganized for a while, like a month and a half, because mm-hmm. I don't have a set job at Fifth Hammer. Like Her- we don't. None of us do. We all like do <laughs> what needs to be done, right? right? Yeah. And and we're still kind of figuring out what needs to be done exactly. Like mm-hmm. Instagram, for instance, or. So I do social media. Which which Mary's crushing. You should follow yeah, at is. Fifth Hammer right now. It's great. Lots of dog pictures. I want to say this because I think it's really great. It's so fun. so I'm a little bit I'm focused. Have, My card says Saxa Brewer. Hers says multitasker. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Literally says multitasker. So there's a lot of stuff I was doing from the beginning. Like I've been doing menus almost from the beginning, which include like beer descriptions and just get a, getting everything on the menu. The events. I was doing event planning. I'm doing more event planning now. Um, I'm booking pop-up vendors every weekend, which is great because we don't have food. So this allows us to have food in the brewery on Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays. Um, social media, I'm expanding. I've been tweeting a little bit, mm-hmm. doing more Facebook stuff. Um, and then I've been doing some recipe kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Like we have a pineapple sour right now that uh, I added smoked salt to. So we don't really get the smoke, but it just was enough smoke to balance it out. It, and enough salt to balance it out. It's a it's a very lovely beer. I tasted it the other week. It was great. So stuff like that. Uh, oh, lots some HR stuff. I have, I have some questions for you. Uh, that, <laughs> hey, whoa, come on. Uh. <laughs> my, all right, you get one. I also replaced a toilet on 4th of July. And my favorite thing get right you, now. Get you a woman who can do it all. <laughs> right. <laughs> and my favorite thing is biofoaming the drains. So the drains, like. That is her favorite. That's crazy. It it came back to the brewery it. on Tuesday just to biofoam the drains before going to bed. At like 1030. That's great. Yeah. Anyway, basically biofoaming the drains. You know, lots of stuff goes down your brewery drains, including, you know, beer on the tasting room side, as well as all kinds of sugar and and organic material. So I basically add this microbial foaming solution that eats all the organic matter. 
So Got to get them underneath the underneath the fermenter yeah. feet. Anyway, and, uh, these are things the that you drains. have to do when you own a brewery, and it's it's my favorite thing right now. It's true. Yeah. Outside of taking dog photos of dogs at sunset, yeah, those are those are great too. They're uh, some really good boys. <laughs> at the yes. uh, yeah, Kuzme, I believe you had a question for Mary. Mm-hmm. I'll I do. allow it. Uh, it's kind of a question for it's a question for us, but as for men about it, I feel like you know. Well, let's get to the technical topic of of like uh, from home brewing to. To this, the concerns when we're dealing with fun tank stuff uh, mm-hmm. and stability, uh, and well, so we have a fun tank, which is our five barrel tank, and uh, you know we're starting to explore more with with oh, fruit. When we were doing that. it at home, we so, would throw. Let's let's back up a second. So fun tank basically means you have a small stainless steel vessel where if you have a uh, a batch of beer, let's say you have a stout, and you know you want to put some special ingredient in part of it, but not all of it you can divert a little bit of liquid into that fun tank and then add your fun ingredient, whatever. Maybe it's coconut, maybe it's pineapple, maybe it's whatever. But as a, as a person with a tap room, that means that you can get two different beers from one, one beer. beer. So that's really convenient for you guys. So with your fun tank, let's go. What's so this, happening? This has been a long-standing practice of Mary and mine uh, since 508. Then we would just do it right straight into the keg and packaging because we didn't we didn't have a bright tank at 508. Uh, but here we have the fun tank and stuff. And uh, I don't know, would, were there things of note to to speak to in this with regard to I agree, but I think we have to save this for another episode. We're going to talk about okay. current. <laughs> so an, an episode I'm very that confused. I thought you were asking a question here. I was. I but wasn't we can't. But she doesn't, she doesn't want to answer it. Listen, apparently. this is right, too listen. long of an answer. So I'm going to say this. So Chris and I. So I've been home brewing. Okay, now I've been drinking craft beer since college, which was like 20-some years ago. And and Chris and I kind of grew up, cut our craft beer teeth on some really traditional styles. Like, we were there when American IPAs and um, let's American Imperial IPAs came about, right? Sure. Um, and we've kind of seen this evolution of craft beer in America, Um where there was kind of a switch. I think a lot of craft brewers in America, although we had steam beer for, for instance, or California mm-hmm. Common or Imperial IPAs, those were kind of unique American styles. Mm-hmm. Um, but for a long time, um, Americans were were basically brewing styles that had developed in other countries or other areas of the world, uh-huh. right? And then, you know, doing their riffs on them. Um, but in the last few years... I'd say the last five years, even the last two or three years, there's kind of a, that's gone even more so. Like, American brewers are are creating even more styles and pushing the boundaries on what they can brew. And and craft beer consumers are uh, are demanding things that are, are, are interesting and somewhat difficult to, can be difficult to brew, but also present challenges that kind of old school styles didn't. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're just going to say, let's talk about the fruited sour ale. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a recent article on Good Beer Hunting by Brian Roth that I think everybody out there should read. Love so go too. read that, and we're going to talk about it at a future, epi- ep- future episode because it is a fucking land. How about, how about, how <laughs> so about, my question how about next week? My question you know, was towards so. stability. Stability, stability. And, well, that's, and modern editions. Right. Uh, uh, and basically, so, yes, it's opening up a, a giant can of worms, but okay. I just want people to know that we are thinking about it, and we when we deliberately put a, place our beer in certain places, depending on the on the stability of the beer. We so would 
can right. certain things and we would not can other, other things. And yes. we well, will keep things just for our tap room. Yes. And we have a lot likewise. of tasting room only because mm-hmm. we know that we can control that keg every step of the way. Mm-hmm. We can baby it if it has cucumber. Sure. Uh, cellulose oh, in it. That's fine. Um, Sure, and, so, avo- and avoid yeah. crazy things yes. like you know exploding cans, exploding cans, because <laughs> yes. that should never be a thing. Well, there's it's a debatable, I guess. Yeah. Right, yeah. but that's a, definitely a future episode. Yes, yeah. talk about kind of current. I'd say like current beer styles, the demand from consumers, and how we as brewers meet that demand, but also mm-hmm. help curate it and help lead the way in in doing the right thing by beer as well as ourselves and the consumers. Yes. That's, 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 yeah. Yeah. Chris, you can't just ask, that was a whole episode right there. You (laughs) can't just ask that question. Can we get back to asking the questions, please? As long as it's within eight minutes. Yeah, Yeah, man. So we're running out of time. So we're just going to bring it down to a couple of quick questions. But, uh, with all of your journey, uh, over two and a half years, what is a bit of advice that you would give for anybody? Looking to open a brewery? Give me, give me one nugget. A little nugget. Nugget of advice. Mm-hmm. What you got? This is for both of you. So start yeah. thinking, Mary. Don't lose faith in yeah. in it. I mean, Aww. if you build it, they will come. And there's in in, in the sense that right? trust your gut. Like don't Zen in the art of motorcycle maintenance or Zen <laughs> in the art of guitar playing is in Zen in the art of guitar playing. There's there's this opening passage which is like you know. Um, you know, you don't want to play like John Coltrane or just play John Coltrane because John Coltrane was popular. Play the music that you want to make. make. That's, I mean, that's what John did. So, you know, and if you just make it, the people will... You're not the only one in the world that has a taste like you do. Uh, if, as long as you can get it out in front of people at a certain point, they will come to your music and, and, and taste it. And so that's, I think, that make what you want to make. Make the beer you want to make and that you want to drink um, within certain amount of fiscal responsibility <laughs> <laughs> because I mean you have to I keep that tap room gold. open like some for them some for me and so I think a lot of my training was at, at Five Oak Gastro where we only had six lines so I, I considered them basically three for them three for me and uh, <laughs> for the for the for the room and I think that, that I still follow that now a that bit. just got me right, right, in mm-hmm. right in the feels right in the feels and I'm gonna I'm what, gonna kind of counteract that what's, what's your nugget Mary so I agree with Chris um, but I also think that one of the things about opening brewery is you have to think about who you want to think about your customer, right? And I hate that that word customer is vague, but you know, your people. Your, who are these people that are going to come? Your guests. Yes, your guests. And so take them and, you know, keep them in mind when you're considering, you know, everything from the design of your tasting room to the beers that you're going to brew to the staff that you hire to the names of the beer, the descriptions of the beer, like how are you going to make people feel welcome to come into your house with you and and drink your beer? I love that you just use that line because for those of you who haven't been to Fifth Hammer, one of the reasons why I do love it, and yeah, I'm biased, all right. I, <laughs> that's true. But what you guys have made me see so much over the last year that you've been open is that like, Tap rooms are very much an extension of the people who own it and run it. And I think that people might not ever interact with you that come into your tap room, which would be a shame. But I still feel like they, they get that sense of you guys. Mm-hmm. Like your hospitality 
and your friendliness and your openness and your curiosity about your beers, like that emanates to people. And you, you get that sense when you, when you go to other people's tap rooms, it is their home. And, and so maybe on that sense too, like, not that I have any nuggets to give anybody, but like, Make it your own. Make it your thing. It, it's going to be a reflection of you. And, yeah. and like you said, who you hire, too. Yeah. It's, it, it's an extension of, of, of you. And you're right that you are inviting people into your home. So Listen, we spend more time there than at home. That, so <laughs> it is our freaking home at this point. And by doing that, you curate the kind of people. So you're, you're going to thinking of people first. But you can, if, you, if you make an extension of you the right people will come to it. Yeah. And then you just continue with, with that. Well, I mean, like the, you want to be inclusive of everybody. You don't want to feel, mm-hmm. you don't want to make a certain group or, you know, of people not feel welcome in your tape, tap right. room. You want to be welcome to everybody from the person who has never had a, a sip of craft beer mm-hmm. or a sip of, of, of beer brewed in New York City to the person that, know, you know, has, has clocked in 2,000, you know, check-ins on untapped to you know the person that just comes in with their their sibling or their partner mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and normally drinks wine but all mm-hmm. of a sudden that purple beer that they see somebody drinking at the end of the bar <laughs> looks pretty good so that's, you want to be you want to welcome everybody from all walks of life no matter you know their background or their gender or their race or anything you want to welcome everyone and that that is worth i mean you want to you want to be you're opening your house. Who do yeah. you want mm-hmm. in your house? You want mm-hmm. to be welcome to all. Mm-hmm. And in our case, that direct-to-consumer interaction is our lifeblood. Yeah, yeah, most mm-hmm. definitely, most definitely. Yeah, and so happy for that. Yep. Last minute. Uh, what are some events that you guys are having? Because you're not just a tap room and a, and a brewery. You guys are also an event space. And you got uh, some freestyle jazz going on all the time. You guys have the what's uh, happening? So my 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 big joke with Kuzma uh, was that uh, I I don't think that he actually like. I'm pretty sure he just opened the, a space to play music. Exactly. Yeah. The whole reason he opened a brewery and went through all that rigmarole and drugging Dave Sharstein was so that he had a built-in music venue. I need a gig. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So and he yeah. does now. So every Wednesday, every Chris Wednesday, plays. it's great. It's a really great time. It's always a, a, a mix-up of uh, different different people playing different instruments. There might be somebody on drums or bass or piano or whatever, another guitar, another bass, but you know, you'll find Kuzma on the saxophone or the bass. Or the bass. Uh, or and both at the same time. <laughs> or both at the same time, sometimes. Uh, but it's always a great time Wednesday night. What else is happening? What, what other kind of weekly events? What's coming up at the brewery, So we guys? do a monthly beer and cheese pairing with Andy Marcelli from Marcelli for Maji. That sounds fancy. I think we've had him on the show yeah. before, on the show. Yeah. we'll have to have him back because he's doing awesome stuff. Um, we do. I do a monthly beer and potato chip pairing. We do a monthly uh, hammer hall. Well, all yeah, uh, tour in class. Be, hold on, beer and potato chips like, made for each other, I, baby. I, I, I don't want any Lay's potato sure chips. Thing. What, what uh, kind of potato chips? Uh, are Lay's they? make some really great stuff. They, that's true, especially if it's really Lay's good. from other countries like oh, Taiwan yes. or China, what? which we can get in New York City. Yeah, now like I will say, so I started this beer and potato chip pairing. I don't know, three or four months ago, and I always I've sought out you know unique potato chips. If you don't know, 7-Eleven does some amazing potato chips, like hot Italian sausage and prime rib. Although I think, anyway, that's it. But we also have access to a lot of international groceries here in New York City. So we get international chips where we can get spicy Thai chili crab chips. Um, Awesome. But the whole gamut. And now people bring me potato chips. That's awesome. So it's I just not got just a uh, fresh delivery from Minnesota. It's not just pairing with uh, wavy versus no. uh, not wavy. Okay. No, we're <laughs> talking makes, about, that makes more sense. We're talking about blooming onion potato chips. Ooh. Sounds good. 
Yep. Tomato flavor, cucumber flavor. What mm. else? Oh man, I have a whole. I just got. Yep, I got a lot right now. I have boxes of can potato you, chips. Can you make a chip of the month club and can I be in it? Yes. So where can we um, where can we find these events? Yes. On our on fifthhammerbrewing.com. Fifthhammerbrewing.com. We're getting better we're at updating interwebs. At Fifth Hammer Beer on Twitter and Instagram, though Twitter is very light. Uh, we lightly use that. Yeah, or, or, or tweet, tweet at Mary and shake yeah. it, it back to yeah. Uh, But yeah. yeah. It's fun. I think tasting, you know, running a tasting room is has been, um, I mean, great that we've met so many new people and we're, you know, like mm-hmm. I said, we're welcoming people into our home. We're helping them celebrate things or, you know, take a break from their life. And it's been a good place for us to explore some of our passions like potato chip and beer pairing. <laughs> yeah. I, have an, I have like a fiber group that meets once fiber a month. Faction. Yes. So that's been pretty fun. Our anniversary party on September 29th is going to be like kind of an amalgamation of all of them. We might have a chip buffet. We're it's definitely going to have, we're definitely going to have a lot of music that night. Beers for ears kind of thing. Um, and I, this is a goal of mine. It's not it's set in motion yet, but I want this to happen. I would like to do beer church seminars on 11 a.m. at least once Hallelujah. a month. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yep. I'm going to praise be the the four deities of beer. <laughs> Malt, water, <laughs> yeast, and hops, baby. That's what I believe in and love five. And we, have to, we have to wrap this up, but I, w- I am going to do a call out, actually. Please. Because, so, all right, we've been on inter intermittent and then finally hiatus as Femen about it mm-hmm. over the last year because uh, we were just too overwhelmed with running this brewery and Rachel with her life and yeah, her job or yep. something like that so uh so we're sorry for that but we're back and we are Yay! super excited we're reclaiming a, these mics there's a ton of right. amazing fermentation going on out there we're oh, excited man. to get back to some of these things like natto and and uh, we got some new mead stuff coming up, guys. Yeah. Mead yep. is happening here in New York, and it's really exciting. <laughs> um, but we would also like to share some of your information. So we would love to get your recipes, tips and tricks, or anything along that line. What are you what making? Are, yeah, exactly. So please send those to us. You can send them via Facebook or mm-hmm. Instagram. Or or you can email us at fomentaboutit at gmail.com. Yep. And we will definitely read a couple of those at le- on every episode. We would love to share what you are doing, especially since we're so busy running the brewery that we haven't had as much time to ferment. We're, we're trying to get back to that. We want your inspiration. We want you to share with our listeners what you're doing. Yeah, that's right. True that. Heather, you're an amazing host. Oh, <laughs> Thanks, Heather sh- and Rachel. Well, you guys, it's thanks, almost guys, like you've this done happen. this before. You guys were great guests. <laughs> right, yeah, right. You guys were great guests. And thanks, Dave. And Rachel, as usual. We love you. We're happy to be back. So glad to be back. <laughs> so mad about it. And Dave and Heritage Radio Network. We should say our, our partner Dave, but also our engineer Dave. Oh, That's yeah. Right. Dave in the studio with those great anybody. sound effects. Yes. Hi. Yes. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to find uh, Foment About It on the social medias, we are at Foment About It on Twitter. We also have an Instagram, I believe, also at yes. Foment About It. Uh, We're going to reboot all this stuff, too. That's right. Stay tuned for new new. We got a Facebook new page. Fun you can us. You can like us to find our new logo um, and also find us on heritageradionetwork.org. I promise this is the most you'll hear us talk about ourselves all season (laughs) and probably for all the seasons going forward. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry about that. See you later. I mean, hear you later or talk to you later. Talk to you later. Talk about it. about it.
Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.